Let's go ahead and be taking our seat. We'll get started on our lesson in just a moment. couple of minutes past time for a Bible class to begin, I've decided this morning that what I need to do is start adding more back to my Sunday morning sermon, because the more I try to cut out, the longer they get. So if I start adding more, maybe they get shorter. I don't know. I tried this week to get through earlier, and I ended up getting through later. So we're going to get it worked out, though, to get this class thing worked out as well. As you know, what we've been talking about over the past few weeks in our Bible class is the influencers, and when we talk about an influencer, of course, we're talking about someone who has influence over another person. Many of you may recognize the name Tony Robbins. He is a, an influencer, if you will, one of these success gurus, and so a lot of people have read his books and maybe even heard him speak, maybe even been where he has spoken. But he has a very interesting statement. He says this. He says, influence is the single most important skill you can master in your lifetime. 
Influence is the single most important skill that you can master in your lifetime. I would tend to agree with him that we have to look at our influence. We have to weigh it out. We have to understand that as Christians we do have that influence and we must use it in a correct way. Now, last Sunday morning we talked about a metaphor that Jesus used in regard to influence. He talked about influence being leaven. But this morning we want to turn to the Apostle Paul and we want to see a metaphor that he uses and that we need to study a little bit in regard to the influence that we have in our life. Let's turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and let's look at verses 2 and 3 together. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 2 and 3. There the Bible says, You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you know that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. As we look at that passage, we see that Paul talks about letter of recommendation. Letters of recommendation. Now if you turn to the that passage in the King James Version, what you'll find is that Paul says, or the way it's translated, you are our epistle written in our hearts. And then he talks about the epistle of Christ ministered by us. When we think about the meaning here, the word translated epistle means an object containing writing addressed to one or more persons But Thayer in his uh, Greek-English lexicon says the word that's translated epistle carries with it the idea of being a letter of commendation. A letter of commendation. And so we take that today and we talk about being letters of recommendation. Now, why would Paul talk uh, mention this to the Corinthian church, the Corinthian Christians? Well, it seems that there were some who were false teachers, as Paul is uh, addressing in the book of 2 Corinthians, that had come in to them, and they had brought with them letters of recommendation that they were actually to hear and to listen to these people. But if you back up to verse number 1, here's what we find. The Bible says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need to, as some do? Letters of recommendation to you or from you. Paul says, I'm not really like these guys who have come in with these letters, these false teachers. You know who I am. That's what he goes on in verses 2 and 3 that we read first. You know who I am and you know that the blessed gospel that I preach to you has changed your life. And so you are our letters of recommendation. In other words, whenever... You have obeyed what we have said in our preaching and in our teaching and in the writing that I've done to you. And the life change that you have experienced in your life when you are living that in front of other people, you indeed are our letter of recommendation. The influence that you bestow on others, you are our letter of recommendation. Now, look at Hebrews chapter 8 at verse number 10. When he talks about the... The being written on the heart, he says, uh, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. 
And I will be their God and they shall be my people. He said that letter of recommendation back in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3 was not written on tables of stone, but was written in the heart because they had obeyed the gospel. And of course, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, what we're looking at is a quotation from the prophecy found in the book of Jeremiah chapter 31 at verse 33 of the New Testament, the New Covenant. And so I simply bring that in to establish the fact. But let's, let's go ahead and get more into detail into what we want to talk about in regard to these letters of recommendation that these Corinthian Christians were. Okay, As we begin that, here's an observation that we need to make. Letters of recommendation are meant to be read and have an impact on the reader. They're meant to be read and have an impact on the reader. Again, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 at verse number 2, Paul said, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. Everyone who sees you will know and will read. Now, what does that mean? What, what's the idea that Paul says when he... Paul means when he says that they're the letter of recommendation that would be known and read by all. I guess the best way that I know to explain it is not written down by Paul, but written down by Peter. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, we find a good example of what Paul is talking about back in 2 Corinthians. Okay? Now go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3 at verse number 1. Peter says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Now, should a Christian wife seek to teach an unchristian husband the gospel? I believe she should. However, what if she continues to talk about that day after 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 day? Uh, I hope that was getting annoying. Right? Because that's what happens when she does it. Might even be considered she begins to nag him about the gospel. That's what he's talking about, so that if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word. How is it that an unbelieving husband could be one without a word, without her actually sitting down and teaching him the gospel? Well, Paul, Peter tells us, by the conduct of their wives. Peter says a better approach might be simply to continue to live and to do what is right. To live as a Christian should live, not neglecting to worship, not neglecting any Christian duty, no matter what, but to continue doing just that. And in so doing, if you combine both Paul's and Peter's language, her life is a letter of recommendation of Christ to her husband. That's exactly what Paul is talking about when we are reading back in 2 Corinthians. 
that the conduct that she lives in front of him is a letter of recommendation so that he comes to know what Christ is all about and who Christ is. Now, the same strategy may well be effective with neighbors and co-workers and others. Let me, uh, let me say that our first option should always be to teach the written word for those who would allow us to do that. But there are some who refuse to sit down and study the word of God with you. And so if that first option fails, our Christian example may be the only thing that we have that will ever influence a person that may ever reach them for Christ. That letter of recommendation that you can be by the good life that you live. We should always, in our own minds, be cognizant of the fact that as Christ's letters of recommendation, we have uh, been written for the benefit of, of others. Uh, again, if, if the Corinthians were Paul's letter of recommendation, and the wife is to be that letter of recommendation to the unbelieving husband, the Christian wife to the unbelieving husband, then we also must remember that as we as Christians live as letters of recommendation, that that letter was written for somebody else. It was written so that others could read and others could see it's written for the benefit of others. Someone has said that great men and women ought to live by this motto. God first, others second, and self last. And I think that's a good thing. God first, others second, and self last. I think that is a very biblical thing. What we need to remember is that Jesus himself lived his life for the good of others. That's why he came, right? Jesus lived his life for the good of others. And that's what we're talking about doing for ourselves. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 at verse number 9. <clears throat> Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake... He became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. If that's not living his life for the benefit of others, I don't know what is. That's pretty clear in what Paul tells us here in this passage. Jesus lived his life for others. Paul says this so that he can influence the Christians at Corinth to continue to do good that they themselves had started to do. In other words, he is saying this to continue to convince them to, uh, to, to give as they had already said that they would do in order to help those who were undergoing a famine in Jerusalem. Now if we go on in verses, uh, 1 Corinthians, or rather 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 10 through 14, we see that play out. Paul said, and in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you. Christ benefited them. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. 
For if the readiness is there, it's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased by your burden and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their needs, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. Paul said, Jesus lived his life for the benefit of you. Now, at this point in your life, you should be living your life for the benefit of those brothers and sisters in Christ in, in Jerusalem who are undergoing a very hard time at this time. And then he said, there may come a time when they have to benefit you, when they turn around and supply your need. And he said, that's fair. That's the way things should be. But the point that we're wanting to make is as influencers, as Christian influencers, we have to remember that as letters of recommendation, we have been written for others. Paul himself also lived for the good of others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, at verse 15, Paul said, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? I will spend and be spent for you. Now, Paul actually points out the extent or the real purpose of his desiring to spend and to be spent. What could be more important than a soul? And that's exactly what Paul says. I will spend and be spent for your souls. Not just for you physically, but for your souls. That's what our letter of recommendation needs to be toward others. We need to be concerned about their souls. Helping people who are in need of this world's good goods is both right and admirable, but there's nothing more important than a soul. And we need to remember that. Here are a couple of scriptures that I would remind you of. First one is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 at verse 24. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. That's living for others. And then in Romans chapter 15 at verse 1, we who are strong have an obligation. What's our obligation? We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. There's some who... Paul is writing about here, and uh, they were having difficulties in regard to the food that they were eating and so forth. And, and Paul said, the ones who are strong need to look out for the weak. We have an obligation to do that. And so let us as Christians never forget our obligation to others and to live for the benefit of other folks. But then next on our list this morning... Letters of recommendation must have some content. They have to have some content. You know, sometimes letters don't contain very many words. <laughs> they don't contain much at all. For example, maybe you've seen this letter. A young college freshman away from home for the first time at college writes back home to his dad. And this was his letter. Dear Dad, no mun, no fun, your son. Did y'all get the information out of that? Ain't got no money and I can't, I can't go out and do anything. No mun, no fun, your son. Well, the daddy got that. 
And he decided to write back, but he didn't write back much either. He said, Dear son, no mun, no fun, too bad, your dad. Got the point across, it didn't have a whole lot of words, but it had a good bit of content, didn't it? But our life has to have content in it. We have to have a full life. We have to have a life that's full enough for people to see. If we're going to be the Christian influence that we need to be, then our life has to be full as possible. Jesus himself lived a full life. He did. Jesus lived a full life. In living his full life, what did Jesus do? Okay, let's go to a passage you probably at least know in your mind by heart. In Acts chapter 10 at verse 38, the Bible says, Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now you may not remember all of the passage, but most of us will remember at least the middle part of, uh, of the passage. He went about doing good. This is the life of Jesus. He went about doing good. If I were to ask you this morning, what were the good things that he went about doing, uh, how would you approach answering that question? Well, maybe you would go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you would begin pointing out all of the good things that he did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you would be right, okay? But let me call your attention to what is said in the book of John, chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. There John writes and says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. What I want you to focus on this morning is found in verse number 30. Now, Jesus did many other signs. The things that are written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and especially as John is writing here, the signs that he wrote about, they're written so that we can believe. But don't forget that he did many other signs. What's your point? Well, let's think about something. As best as I can determine, I've never sat down and tried to count them myself, but as best as I can determine, there are, about, there are events from about 59 separate days that are mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 59 separate days in the life of Christ that are mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 59 days. Unless you take February, that's less than two months. Okay? 59 days. If you go to the book of John itself, John seems to mention the events from Psalm 45. Separate days. Now remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, all, they, they overlap, okay, and some of the things that they say happened on the same day. But John talks about maybe 45 days. But Jesus' ministry lasted some three to three and a half 
years. Now let's just round that down a little bit from the three and a half. And let's say Jesus spent 1150 days going about doing good. 1150 days going about doing good. Makes you wonder what all Jesus did in those 1100 or so other days, doesn't it? He went about doing good. John simply informs us many other signs. You know, at least me and my little feeble mind, when I start reading the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I think, man, you know, Jesus was busy for three and a half years. Fifty-nine of those days, what did He do for the other 1,100? Wow. He went about doing good and He did much more than what we know about. Jesus, what's your point? Had a full life. And so should we. Notice some passages very quickly. Acts chapter 6 at verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, but not just full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom, full of wisdom. Now, as we look at that, these men are the, the seven men who are likely the first deacons, but he goes on. They talked about uh, Stephen. He says he was a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And then he gives the other list of names. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders. That's part of having a full life, having these things. Obviously, we can't have the uh, uh, miraculous things that uh, these people were able to do, but we can have the fullness of faith, we can have the fullness of grace, we can have the fullness of these other things. What about in Acts chapter 9 at verse 36? There was a woman in Joppa, her name was Tabitha, and what about Tabitha? She was full of good works and acts of charity, full of good works and acts of charity. Romans chapter 15, verse 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, and filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Some full things. In Philippians chapter 1, at verse number 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. What does it mean, the fruit of righteousness? The fruit or result of righteousness. Righteous living. We could say Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, we, we, that we call the fruit of the Spirit, that love, that joy, that peace, all of those things, they're all examples of the fruit of righteousness. But then very, very quickly, let me mention two other things. Number one, letters of recommendation should be easy to read. Easy to read. To illustrate that, sometimes I get requests from folks who want me to write a letter of recommendation for a potential job or, or, or for some uh, application of college or something like that. What if I wrote something like this? Blank has always proven to be a reliable and hard worker. Blank has always been trustworthy, and I believe that he or she would be a valuable asset to and then whatever you know we're recommending them to. Uh, would that be pretty understandable? Pretty plain? Well, yeah, you know, we would add more to it than that, but for the sake of time and for the sake of space on the screen, you know, pretty, pretty direct, I think. But I could do it this way. 
We asked Blank to head up a certain project a couple of years ago. I'm sure one of these days that said project is going to go uh, is going to go to work or going to work. And two, I always see Blank take their seat in the assembly after we've gotten started. Now, what would you make out of that? Uh, number one, it is Blank is he or she not doing a good job with his or her project, or is it a long-term project? That was designed to be that way. You don't know. You don't know which one I'm talking about. Uh, uh, that second one is blank, whoever that is, always late for service, or have they been asked to, ta to take care of a certain task that kept them maybe out in the foyer before they came in and sat down? Maybe they were serving as an usher, waiting on people to come in. You don't know. And so the point is, letters of recommendation should be easy to read. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. What about those men, Peter and John? When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Wow. Recognized they had been with Jesus. They hadn't been to the greatest Jewish schools. They hadn't been to, the, uh, to sit at the feet of Gamaliel like Paul had, but they had been with Jesus. And so people could read that. It was quite easy for them to read. But then last of all, letters of recommendation may be destroyed, but their report will be recalled. People will remember after we're gone just as they did with Abel. He being dead still speaks. Well, Jesus used the metaphor of leaven. Paul used the metaphor of letters of recommendation. Let's close with a prayer very quickly. Holy and righteous Father in heaven, again, we're so thankful. Thankful for the opportunity to meet together today to worship you and also to study from your word. Father, we pray that you will help us as we continue our thoughts and learning. We pray that you will uh, keep us as uh, safe as possible here on this earth. And Father, may we always, as we sin, uh, have forgiveness from you because we come penitently before you. All of these things we ask in thy son Jesus' name. Amen.